Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm, Propel. And today we're asking, how should CEOs use social media when changing roles? It's actually a really important question because no, no one, I mean, no CEO stays in the one role for life. So what happens when you change? What do you do when your profile reflects one organization, but then you switch to another? Or what do you do if your network is filled with people who represent your past role versus the present? How can you change your own engagement efforts and activities so that you spend your time with the right audiences? It does require a little planning, but rest assured, it's also very doable. And fortunately, I'm joined today by a CEO who has not only experienced this transition recently, but who also switched from a 14-year-old organization to a 140-year-old one as the current CEO of St. John Ambulance Australia. So in a way, he's almost the ideal person to talk about this topic. Thank you for joining the Your Digital Reputation podcast, Brendan Ma. Thanks for having me, Roger. Absolute pleasure. And that is quite a shift when you think about it. 14 to 140 years, there's a whole lot of legacy sewn up in that. And it's something I'd like to dip into in a bit more detail today. But before we do that, Brendan, I think it's, is it fair to say that that transition I flagged right up front there, it's one that you'd probably still say is very much a work in progress. And I think that's important to highlight up front. Is that fair? Yeah, I think if the listeners are expecting a playbook on how to do this perfectly, they're not going to get that today. But <laughs> I can certainly share some of my experiences. Absolutely. But I think, I think that's actually really important because I'm hopeful that this conversation, and I appreciate you coming on to talk about it, but that this conversation is something that we'll be working through in, in somewhat real time and it will provide some practical insight for people and be valuable for them in their own or on their own journey. So I, I actually think it's a really great opportunity, Brendan, and appreciate you um, being a guinea pig of sorts for this conversation. So thank you for making time. But, no, but it's, if a we... two, it's a two-way street because uh, it's, it's forcing me to be a little bit more disciplined about putting some some structure around, you know, around what I'm doing in this space, to be honest with you, Roger. So it's good. No, good on you. And I think that we will provide a little bit of structure as we go through today. It's actually fun. I'm looking forward to wearing both the podcast hat and the consultant hat at the same time. We'll see <laughs> how my head goes with that. But if we can start by going back what is essentially 10 years to 2013, Brendan, and you move from Lifeline to Are You OK to become well, ultimately their new CEO. And can you tell us what it was like in those early days at the helm of what was an emerging and expanding NGO and the role that social media played for you as the CEO? Yeah, well, I started in, in 2013 at a time when there were four full-time staff at Are You OK? I didn't know, didn't know a lot about social media, to be honest. I mean, I was on Facebook and I think LinkedIn. From a social media perspective, and there's, there's lots to say about Are You OK? and, and you know, what that experience was like at that time because it really did explode in, in the six years that, that I was there. But... On a social media side of things, Facebook was our main social media tool. And from what I understood, it had kind of been limping along until around 2011 when, when the ABC ran an Australian story on Gavin Larkin, who was the founder of AUIK. Um, yeah, Gavin's story is an extraordinary one. Um, Gavin actually passed away in, in 2011, but, um, from, from this particular broadcast of Australian story, the the interest in AUIK really spiked because 
so many Australians were inspired by by the story and could really relate to, to, to Gavin and and what he was trying to achieve. So almost overnight, uh, I think our our social media presence doubled. And and at that time, you know, with four staff, we did we did everything in house. We created content, we posted content, we moderated content. And when I say we, it was our campaign director Rebecca Lewis who did most of it. So this was this was everything from the development of moderation guidelines, interventions, I suppose, when you're you're dealing with with people who are perhaps fragile and, and engaging with the you know with the platform, complaints, criticisms, all of those things that you deal with deal with on social. But it, Facebook was definitely our I guess our most intimate forum uh, to to engage with with our supporters and, and those who are interested in in what we're we're trying to achieve at AUK. And you said right at the start there, Brendan, this idea that, you know, it wasn't really high on your priority list or certainly on your radar in terms of familiarity with social media yourself. What about your own approach? What, what did you do in those early stages? How were you drawn into social media alongside the operational side of things as you've described the organization was going through and the work that Rebecca did? How were you personally involved in terms of your own messaging and also some of that responsive reactive stuff? I guess I, I had a fairly early and quite rude awakening to the role of social media at AUAK and uh, being such a small organisation, Rebecca went went on leave for a couple of weeks and, and handed me the keys to, to moderate and post and, and do all that kind of stuff. So I got a crash course in, in, in how to do all of that. And I really, Roger, I really had no idea what I was in for. I couldn't believe that. I had expected this this one person to manage what was, you know, a really significant level of engagement with with the community, and to the point where, whilst I was looking after it, I had to actually engage in a in, in an emergency intervention where I was very very concerned about some of the comments that an individual was making on the page, and we've got a process that we that we go through. But it was very confronting, and when. Rebecca got back from leave. I, I explained to her, you know, kind of what had, what had happened, and her response was, "Well, yeah, that you know, it's, it's not a, it's not an every week occurrence, but certainly um, it, that that kind of thing would happen occasionally." And I suppose that forced me to to put in some scaffolding to better support that, you know, that process and make sure that our staff weren't dealing with what is effectively a 24-hour environment. And, and so we, we moved to engage with Lifeline uh, to moderate our social media out of hours. And that relationship has continued to this day. Um, that enabled us to make sure that we had, I guess we were, we were engaging in, in self-care for our, uh, managing self-care for our staff, but always also ensuring that our, our, our intervention and processes were as good as they possibly could be. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that your your number one priority is to keep the community safe. And it sounds like it doesn't matter what channel that happens. And I think you know your your scenario is a very unique one. Don't get me wrong. There's a few organisations that have the same pressure and the same intensity of those engagements as are you okay and others in that space around mental health and wellbeing. So I appreciate that entirely. I, I do think though that it would be incredibly beneficial for almost any social media manager, any communications advisor out there to have their CEO sit in the chair just for a day or two 
just to get an understanding of what it's actually like to sit at the front line of social media and what sort of queries come through. Because as you said, and as Rebecca's reply suggests, this is what happens. This is what happens in this world. We need to meet our audiences where they are. Look, absolutely. And I mean, any any kind of escalation of, of a potential crisis, for instance, that, you know, you see on your leadership need to understand what's involved because ultimately the stakes are, are very high. So I would totally support the idea and opportunity for leadership to, to, to get in and, and lift the hood and have a look and understand how those processes work. Because if I hadn't have done that, it would have been some time before we actually woke up to the fact that it was too much pressure to put on uh, one individual. I remember reading a blog post that you wrote when leaving Are You Okay? And I think you mentioned something along the lines of you can't advocate for meaningful conversations without being authentically willing to have one. And I think that that was a, a phrase that's that struck me and stuck with me because the context you just given there around the the intensity of what's happening in this social media environment, the importance of workflows and protocols and all that sort of stuff to make sure that, as you said, people are safe in that environment, the same as any other channel. Hearing that phrase from you, I, I get this sense that you then felt there was a personal role that you had to, as much offline as online, there was a personal role that you had to take on and a personal responsibility as the CEO of the organization to to do things in a way that reflected the needs of your community. Is that a fair comment to make? Yeah, absolutely. You've got, when you when you lead an organization like, like Are You Okay or any organization, I mean, there, there is a, an expectation that you've got a values alignment and you can't be the CEO of, of Lifeline and not be willing to talk to someone who's distressed. You can't really be the CEO of, of Are You Okay without being willing and able to have an authentic conversation. And the reality of that role in the six years that I was there, and I'm still there as a board member, and it was a huge privilege as part of the role that people would entrust you with their life struggles because of the organisation you represented. And in some respects, that could catch up with you as well. You're inevitably in a barbecue situation or a social situation. And my friends and family were very proud of the work that, that we were doing in the organisation that I was leading. So people would, would find out pretty quickly what you did for a living. Sometimes I wished I was a forensic accountant. Or maybe that would have killed the convo. Not that only Jacob was a very good friend for a forensic <laughs> accountant. <laughs> but it did invite a different level of conversation. and. Of course, you need to work with that moment when they present themselves. It didn't mean that you that I have to have all the answers, but in many cases, this would be the first time that somebody felt that they had a person that they could open up to and and share perhaps how they were feeling. So, yeah, that was something that was very, very important. And I think a very important skill or, or, or expectation or, or, or comes with the job for anyone who works for an organization like Are You Okay? Absolutely. And look, it must have been, I can only imagine, it must have been incredibly meaningful, but also very challenging uh, work and challenging period. So after those six years, you then uh, went to Movember for a couple of years and that would have been a shift in responsibility and intense in, intensity, I'm sure, but at the same time, still a, a fairly related industry. And it's then that you joined St. John Ambulance Australia as CEO last year. And I suppose this is the shift that certainly from my perspective, from the outside, it seems like a bigger change. So from almost a decade in 
that emerging expanding NGO world into a trusted, known, much-loved brand with 140 years of history and legacy and all that. Looking back now, how did you prepare to transition your digital presence from your persona at Are You OK in the world that you just painted and Movember to St. John? I found as I've transitioned into, into St. John, it's a big shift in the kind of profile of individuals that are, that are connected with me at St. John. There's, St. John have a significant membership of, of volunteers and, and, of course, you have that level of interaction and engagement. Um, but I haven't done a lot in a personal sense on social media for St. John because I want to make sure that what I say is meaningful and to worthwhile and valuable. So it wasn't like uh, with AUOK, you were sharing and posting content on a very, very regular basis. And I'm still trying to figure out how I can add value to my communities with regards to my new role, which is now a year old. As we said, right at the start of this conversation, it's really helpful to be exploring this with you. When you and I first met, I actually met you at a social media conference talking about the Are You OK story and the work that you'd done. And I remember sitting there in the audience thinking, wow, here's a CEO who really understands their own role, their own um, voice, their alignment with the organization as an entity as well, and how well this seems to be working in terms of the things that you were handling um, as an organization online. I remember being quite blown away by the um, the thought that had gone into it. So it's interesting to hear that, as you say, as you transition to St. John, trying to work out what is your new niche? What is your new platform? What is the, the best way to participate in a considered way online that reflects the communities that you are now engaging with and looks further ahead and says, well, what's the legacy that, that Brendan Ma wants to leave with St. John? And what role does your digital reputation play in all that as well? These are big questions that are worth thinking about. So I don't, I think anyone who is in your position would still be grappling with these sorts of things. Transitioning ultimately to St. John Ambulance, as you've rightly said, it's 140 years of history. It's also a very complex business or organisation in some ways. In, in Western Australia and the Northern Territory, St John run the public ambulance service. You know, we do non-emergency patient transport. We do event health services. We do first aid training. There's aged care in, 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 in some states. Like, it, it's, it's a big, complex organisation. And I suppose when I was at Are You OK, there was a barrage of, of people individuals wanting to connect because I had something to say that they really needed. And from a St. John level, there's lots to say, uh, but within the context of our organisation, we need to kind of define what it is at, a, at, a, at, a, at an Australian office perspective uh, that's as relevant as possible to all of our stakeholders. And, and we're, we're at that, in that process of, of, of figuring that out. Uh, but at the end of the day, my, my underlying principles are how do we say something that's, that's meaningful, that gives people value, that's insightful, that's authentic, that's useful, that supports the needs of, of our state and territory stakeholders, supports the needs of our volunteers and supports the needs of, of the community. We, we see so much noise on, on social media. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an avid scroller and we, we scroll past so much 
And it's it's really interesting to 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 think and reflect on on those things that really grab you and, and you know that stop that finger from from scrolling up next. Like what what, what is this that why is this talking to me? That's the magic formula, isn't it? And and if we can find that, yeah, you know, at, at St John, and just, that might sometimes mean saying less, but 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 saying more at the same time. Um, so that, yeah, I'm on that journey basically. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Now, whether this is your very first episode or you're a fully-fledged subscriber, I want to share an exclusive invitation with you. I want to invite you to join the one program that will help you take greater control of your digital reputation and help you kick some real goals on LinkedIn. It's our Your Digital Reputation LinkedIn for Leaders program, a one-month program built off the back of hundreds of conversations with leaders and 30,000-odd hours advising them on LinkedIn. By joining the program, you'll get access to a range of planning frameworks, best practice guidelines, and one-on-one coaching with me, Roger Christie, to help you avoid common LinkedIn mistakes and get real value for your efforts. All that value in just one month to ensure you're set up for success well into the future. So, what are you waiting for? If you're looking for a LinkedIn for Leaders program, feel free to hit pause on this episode right now and drop me an email at rchristie at propelgroup.com.au or go to www.propelgroup.com.au slash YDR for more details. I'd love to help you amplify your impact and show you just how powerful a business tool LinkedIn can be. All right, back to this episode. I think if I can observe your journey from the outside, I'm going to take off the podcast hat and put the consultant hat on for a moment. And what's happening in terms of the algorithm in the background is the machine, if I can give it that term, the algorithm is making decisions about what we do and don't like, and therefore what to serve us up next. And What's really important in what you described there being an avid scroller and someone who, who flips through as a consumer of information is your eyes are drawn to things and your attention is drawn to things that makes you stop. So what's really important for anyone listening to understand is when you go through a transition like you're des- describing today, Brendan, you've got a whole heap of context that the machine is using to make decisions about what to serve you next. Once that context changes and you move into a new environment, all of a sudden, what you may value, what you may need is going to be different. And the people that you get those messages from is going to be different. So if you continue to feed the machine, to feed the algorithm, the same cues, the same signals based on a previous role, you're going to continue to receive information that becomes increasingly less relevant over time to your current and future aspirations. And this is that intersection that we're talking about, which is a really interesting one. What we always advise people, and we talk about um, the five drivers of digital reputation, what we always advise people is to consider your purpose, your profile, your listening, your activity, and your network. They are the five drivers. I'm not going to go into them in great detail today because I want people to stay with us and, and focus on your experience. But where we start there at the core is purpose. And that is the question that it sounds like you're working through at the moment is around what is the purpose of any digital presence or digital activity that makes that content meaningful and valuable, as you were saying before? What is it that is driving us in a unified fashion to ensure that we are helping 
increase the skills of Australians and globally to administer first aid. How can we do that in this digital environment? If that's your purpose and that's a centrally unifying purpose, then all of a sudden, all the other decisions that you're making online and that your team are making online take on a different tone. Your profile, if we can borrow the, you know, the LinkedIn example, your LinkedIn profile suddenly reflects who you're trying to reach with that message about your purpose so that when they land on your LinkedIn profile and they see Brendan Ma, they go, yep, I get it. You're the CEO at St. John Ambulance Australia and this is what you're here to do. And so when they look at your profile, they read your about section, they go, this is exactly who I need to talk to about, for example, a corporate partnership. Or this is exactly the sort of person who who I want to uh, join as a candidate, as someone looking for work in the market at the moment. And so your purpose is going to be the thing that informs all these other drivers of activity. So this is this is the sort of stuff that is really important to work through. And, and you've touched on this already, Brendan. One of the things that we always point to is your network. So if you happen to interact with five or ten key people in your network time and time again, if you suddenly change roles and those those five or 10 people aren't as relevant anymore, just in terms of what St. John is trying to achieve, for example, who are the new five or 10 people? Who are those people and how can you focus on them to ensure that any activity, any message you post into LinkedIn or other social channels is reaching the right five or 10 people? So as we're talking through this, I'm interested to get your reflections on it. And and I appreciate that I know that this is a transition for you and something you're working through together. But what sorts of thoughts are going through your mind around how can your activity, how can your network, how can your listening efforts, how can all these things change to to help support that purpose, that mission you described? Yeah, well, I think I'm already seeing a, a transition in, in some of the, the content that I'm being served, which <laughs> says that there's clearly some, some alignment with the work that I'm focusing on now at St. John. I think what's going to be a bit of a focus moving forward is making sure that in the context of the key areas of interest, aligned interest from St. John level, thinking about all of our state and territory organisations, is that as a leader, I get kind of really focused on amplifying these key areas of, of alignment that, we, that we've spoken about. It sounds like you're grappling with and, and working through this idea at a corporate level and you're clear on what your purpose is and your mission, as you were saying, you're clear on that. And the question now for me is, as I'm listening to you go through that detail, is you've got the corporate identity and you've got the corporate direction and goals and the things that you're working towards as an organisation and now you've got Brendan as the CEO and as we said, that transition that's taken place over the past 12 months or so, you've got you as an individual, as the leader leading that organisation. How do these two things overlap? How do they overlap for you personally and how do they overlap in the sense that you and others in the leadership team in that federated structure around the country, they all have their own stories and they all have their own networks. They all have their own unique journeys that they've gone on like you but you are all connected under this shared corporate goal or goals. So I suppose the question for me is, how do you bring that to life through yourself, through your own online presence? And how do you bring that that corporate agenda to life through the broader leadership team and staff of St. John? 
Yeah, well, <clears throat> look, from a from an organisational perspective, fortunately we have we've aligned on what you call our our national goals, which look at things like you know making first aid a part of everyone's life. Look, looks at things like increasing survival from sudden cardiac arrest uh, by improving public access to DFIPS. It looks at things like you know strengthening our our profile as thought leaders. So thought leadership is obviously a big part of the, the role of a social media presence. So, you know, how do we become well regarded uh, as or, or consulted uh, around things like national policy, particularly around areas of, of our own interest? And in many respects, we're aligned on that from a national level. National being the Australian office and our eight states and territories. I think how to bring, how to kind of map that or, or bring, bring the personal lens of myself against these corporate goals. If I look back at my experience with, with Are You OK? as an organisation focused on wellbeing and, and ultimately preventing suicide, that was something that I was very personally passionate about. And in many ways, you look at the you look at the the goals of St John Ambulance, and they're goals that are hard not to be passionate about. Passionate about as well. So it's not difficult to bring that agenda into your you know into your your personal representations on on social media as well, because it makes a lot of sense. Why would we not want more Australians to know first aid if somewhere you're at a family barbecue or any public event and someone was, was in trouble, wouldn't you want to know that there was someone around that could administer first aid and potentially save someone's life? Wouldn't you want to know that within three or four minutes you could get your hand on a defib in order to restart someone's heart if they've just experienced sudden cardiac arrest? This stuff is so tangible that it's, it's not hard to bring that into alignment with continuing to be a good corporate citizen and actually, you know, to, to get quite passionate about. So in some regards... I'm lucky that I've got such a great, such a great platform to work with and, and, you know, some goals that we're all aligned to, uh, unequivocally at a state and territory level, albeit we're at different levels of maturity when it comes to how we express that through avenues like, like social media. And, and I think that's using that, that national policy example as, as one just to anchor into there. You've described the passion, you've described the, the the drive for why you'd like to be more visible and and why you'd be, like to be sharing that thought leadership or driving that thought leadership agenda really importantly and you you do have such passion for it i think for me it's then tying that back into what we've said about the transition of uh, of assets that you have from a previous role into a new role and helping others come on the journey with you it's being very intentional with the relationships that you're going to build and maintain um, in your new role and identity and it's being very intentional about the messages you're going to share and others are going to share that will resonate with those people to help influence and shape that policy as you've described it and really important that people feel empowered to tell their story others across the workforce because they can see a CEO and they can see other leaders from across that network who are actively doing the same thing and all of a sudden you've got a chorus of voices who are speaking up about the importance of, as you described it, being able to find a defib in three to four minutes to restart someone's heart. 
that's a really powerful collective mission to work towards and it's something that with the right steps online you can harness an algorithm to ensure that more people hear that message it's an interesting one isn't it, it i remember being told in the in the throes of my, my early career in in at lifeline and and at RUAK, just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean that that everyone else is going to be and and it was a bit of a shock to the system in my early years like how could you not possibly be passionate about about this look because i've got my own things over here that i'm passionate about i mean you can bring people around and you you might look at something and say like it's an absolute no-brainer how can you not drop everything and just you know focus on this one specific issue and there's lots of really really important issues out there which i'm totally respectful of and i think there's been one avenue that i've seen influence really happened and social media has played a great role in that is is in the role of storytelling and providing that level of experience to people so that they can they can see this kind of this proposition or hypothesis actually come to life and and deliver value and we can all stand on our soapbox and throw out one-liners and headlines or we can provide an opportunity to really give people that insight or something that they they can draw something out of or see themselves in. And there's so much opportunity, I think, in the context of organisations like St John to do more to apply these great sort of policy and positions to real-life impacts using a community that already sort of entrusts what it is that potentially we've got to offer. Absolutely. And I draw a link back to our five drivers framework and just say that is the power of listening. So as you talked about it, if we all stand on increasingly higher soapboxes and keep yelling over the top of one another, no one's going to hear anything. Whereas if we take time to listen to our key stakeholders, create the right networks and then use listening to make sure we're plugged into what matters to them and their conversations, we will naturally surface opportunities to share those stories you're talking about. And if you do that in an effective and personal and relevant way, you, you can't lose. Social media just gives you the access and the scale to be able to do that far more effectively than you could before. So, Brendan, these, this has been a really helpful and, for me, a very raw and constructive conversation about this. It is rare that we get to talk through a living, breathing case study of a CEO's own digital reputation transition in progress. So, I'm certain that those listening will have got uh, you know, a ton of value about things that they should be considering themselves and managing their own journey or their leaders if, if they're advising them. But if I can try and sum it up, what I'm sensing from all this is, your purpose, your why is crucial to inform where you spend your time and effort online. And, and, and the leadership transition is a perfect time to reflect on those things, to make sure you're heading in the right direction, to make sure that you're connected with the right people so that you're using social media as an asset to help you reach those end goals sooner. So if, if people listening today have questions or encouragements, Brendan, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, well, look, it's it's easy enough for, for people to, to follow me on LinkedIn or if you've got, uh, if you want to establish a dialogue, connect with me. Probably, probably the easiest, easiest way to get hold of me. Stjohn.org.au is our, is our national website and, you know, there's a bit more information about, about who we are and what we're trying to achieve. But yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Brennan Ma, thank you so much for sharing your transition story on the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thanks, Roger. Thanks again for listening. 
If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.